We've been in a preaching series called Your Next 30 Days. And the driving thought behind this preaching series is you cannot follow Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus standing still where you are. You have to take steps moving forward. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you have to take sure and steady steps along the way. Now, do you know what next Sunday is? Anybody? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. It's Super Bowl Sunday. There's a, I, you're a long ways away from me, all right? You've got to help me out. Super Bowl Sunday. Now, some of you in this room are excited about Super Bowl Sunday because that is going to mark the, the, the day that you get your spouse back after weekend, after weekend, after weekend watching football. Um, but then others of you, like myself, we're going to be going into a morning between um, after football in August, I just go into this severe depression because there's no football. And so I would ask that you would just pray for me and those alike that have this uh, probably unhealthy addiction to football. All right. And also, could we just have a moment of silence by your head? I'm just kidding. All right. We're not going to do that. But you know, on a football team, a big football team, there's little small teams, aren't there? You got the offensive side of the ball. You got an offensive team, then you have a defensive team, then you have your special teams. The reason why I say that is because here, you're here today, you're on Graceland's team. But even on a big team like Graceland, you need a smaller team. And that smaller team we call groups. If you have your listening guide, you can follow along here. Here's the deal. We are born to belong. That, that we are designed for association rather than isolation. That's good. You should write that down. We are designed for association rather than isolation. It's been said the smallest denominator in the New Testament is two. Jesus would send out his disciples in groups of two or more every single time. This is why, ladies, I got to give you a hand because you go to the restroom in pairs all the time or more, right? I got to give you a hand. I knew you ladies were always a step ahead of me, but now that proves it, the case. How many times have you heard somebody say, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it by my, all the time. How many times have you thought that? I've thought that so many times along the way. If anyone could have done it himself, it was God. He could have done it himself. He designed the world by himself. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. He still doesn't need you or me. He designed the world. He designed this perfect place called Eden. And then what does he do? He puts us in the middle of it. And what do we do? We just jack it all up. We screw it up. We mess it all up. And then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to come to fix things, to redeem things. And what does he do again? Does he give us another chance? Does he ask us to enter into this? Yes. It's amazing. Because he knew that we were born to belong. We were born to belong. And what I want to do is I want to look at this passage I read earlier. I want to look at why he would include the men he would include and what was he trying to get at. That's, that's what I want to look at today. So let's, let's kind of look at it verse by, or, uh, word for word. It begins when morning came. Now Jesus had been praying overnight. And the reason why he had been praying overnight is because he was about to pick a group of people that would be on his team. And that team would literally change the course of history forever. It's a big decision. He had just gotten done praying. And then he, Luke continues, he said, he called his disciples. If you have a pen or you're, you're using your tablet or your smartphone to read along or the Bible that's in front of you, you can underline or circle the word disciple, disciples. It's the plural form of this word. And in the Greek, 
which the Bible is written in. The, the word disciple is mathetes. And mathetes, it means a pupil. It means somebody who is being taught. In this word, mathetes, it happens, to, it's used 261 times between Matthew all the way through the book of Acts, which means if someone repeats something to you, if your mom says, clean your room, 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 what do you think she wants you to do? She wants you to clean your room. Well, when there's this repetition of mathetes this many times, there's a big emphasis here. And Jesus is saying this because he's going to call these men in. And he's going to call them in to equip them, to teach them, to encourage them, to challenge them. But most importantly, he's calling them in on his team to love them, to love them. Matter of fact, the number one distinction that a Christ follower should have in the rest of society and the rest of everyone else, one simple word, love. John chapter 13, 35, it says this, that by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you what? If you love one another. These are convicting words. Do I love everyone all the time? No. Is this the distinction between like that Mark's Ray Green, the follower of Jesus? <laughs> I wish it was more times than not. Hey, for a second, I want you to think about the Godhead for a moment. The Godhead, the Holy Trinity. How many of you are familiar with that phrase, the, the Holy Trinity? Show of hands, okay? You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. This is the basic theology of our understanding of God. And within the Godhead, within the trilogy, or the tr trilogy, the Trinity, you have this equality, this love, this dependence, this perfect community between the Holy Trinity. You see, right in, within the Trinity, our theology of God, you have the call of community and belonging. And Jesus is calling these individuals into a relationship just like, just like he experienced with the Father and the Spirit of God. But here's my concern. My concern is, is that we don't understand belonging, that our culture doesn't get this, in the New Testament times, they got this. That's how they did life. They did this life in groups. But today in our culture, we are fractured families. We are fractured communities. We are fractured relationships. There's a couple reasons. This is not a, a complete list, but just a couple uh, kind of cultural phenomena. Number one, I call it the you're not from around here syndrome. You're not from around here syndrome. I get that a lot. You're not from around here, are you? And here, here's why this fractures cultures and, and, and areas. Our, our, our culture is moving more and more and more. It's, it's a ever, you know, people are moving and people are kind of moving where they live and moving kind of where they call home and all these different things. And if we are born into a community and then we reserve our relationships just to the very small network that we were born into, that we know that we went to middle school with and high school with and college with or since our 20s, we limit ourselves and we end up limiting the growth of our relationship with God. This is important, and this limits us. The second thing um, is I want you to take out your cell phone. This is another reason why we are fracturing a relationship. Hold your cell phone up. Get it out. I brought mine on stage. I turned it off so it wouldn't ring. If you, it, this is a good time to turn it off, by the way, okay? <laughs> hey, I want you to look at it. Okay, look at your phone. It's a great tool. You can contact people. You can tell people you love them. You're praying for them, et cetera. But this right here is one of the reasons why our relationships are fracturing. Facebook and text message, that is not a relationship. That's not what Jesus called us to do. Now, you can, you can build a relationship 
But this is not a relationship. There's articles that, that I, was, I found this last week that are reporting how much we're spending on our cell phone. Did you know that it's becoming this issue in our neck that like people are, are literally like end up like this and our necks are becoming more and more, um, well, I guess there's more and more medical issues because of our cell, we're looking at our cell phones. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect at this either, but this is one of the reasons why our relationships are disintegrating. But the good news is this, okay? This is the good news. So I, 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 a couple of bad points, but here's the good point. The church can literally turn the tide. That you and I, we can demonstrate what real relationships look like. And as time goes on, mark my words, okay? You may not always like what I say, and you may not always agree with what I say, but mark my words today, January 2018. The church... If it can offer real relationships, we'll have one thing the rest of the world may not ever have again. We can demonstrate this. We can lean into this. We can model this. Okay? Do you get that? This is important. Let's continue. Luke, he, he continues here, and he says he chose 12 of them. Jesus, he, tw- he chooses 12 individuals. Now, many scholars and individuals believe that Jesus, he's ministering to three different major groups of people at the time. And these three different groups of people, they didn't really enjoy or always agree with the Messiah. Okay, here's the first group, the mercenaries. If you're in your listening guide, there's a slot there. The mercenaries. These are a group of individuals who were political in nature, and they called them in the Bible the zealots. These were the individuals that hated Rome, and they hated Rome so much so that they they called themselves freedom fighters, and they would slit the throat of Romans any chance they got. The Romans looked at the zealots like we would Al-Qaeda. Notice Jesus calls one of the 12, whose name is Simon, he was a zealot. The second group that uh, Jesus is engaging with are the monks. The monks. Uh, the culture in that day, they called them Pharisees, but basically they were monks. They believed the Messiah was not going to come. They believed that all the things they were looking for was not going to happen. They'd thrown, basically they said, I don't believe in culture anymore. I don't believe that anything good can happen. They withdraw from the world. They go down to the Dead Sea and they become this very pious holy type of people completely apart from society. And when they do that, they get so inward focused, they would literally take baths, cleanly baths, every day, multiple times a day in the Eastern culture thousands of years ago to be quote unquote holy. They would never even relieve themselves on the Sabbath. These were the monks. And then finally, the third group is the medians. The medians. These were known as the Sadducees. And these, these individuals, look, they, they were good with the Romans. They would partner with the Romans. Taxes, okay, they were good with it. Their attitude is if you can't beat them, join them. Hey, it'll profit your bottom line. It'll help things move forward. They were good with Herod. They worked with Herod. Now, so you have the monks, you have the mercenaries, and you have the meaning. Now, why do I say all that? Now, let's get back to the point. This is who Jesus chose, he chose for his team, he, Simon, who was a zealot, and then Matthew, who was, who was he? He was a tax collector. He was hated. He was despised. And Jesus is like, hey, I want you on my team, and I want you on my team. And here's why I say all that. This would have been an interesting group of people to be around. Think about it with me. Jesus is walking along, and he goes, hey, uh, Simon and Matthew, you're going to bunk together tonight. Uh, we're staying at the Marriott, and you guys are bunking together. Matthew's like, great. I'm going to sleep like this all night so he doesn't slash my throat. 
And then Jesus would just throw in these controversial statements all the time. For instance, Matthew chapter 5, verse 51, he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Well, they knew at the time, if you lived back in this culture, you knew the Romans, they made this law out where anytime, any place, they could just grab you and they could say, hey, you're going to carry my gear for a mile. Do you think the Jews loved them for that? No, they hated them for that. They despised the Romans. And Jesus says, I don't want you just to carry him one mile. I want you to carry him two miles. Do you think the zealot liked that? (laughs) No. Can you only imagine what he endured? Maybe he was seeking revenge. I don't know why. Maybe because what he had endured with his family. Maybe Romans had destroyed their culture. I'm not really sure. Can you imagine? And then Matthew chapter 8 happens. I'll put it on the screen. It says, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? And Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him saying, I will be clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus touches the leper and heals the man that no one else wants to touch. How do you think the monks felt at that point? I think they whip out the hand sanitizer. Right then in that place. Oh, they're just, everything inside of them is like, no, don't touch that man. And Jesus touches them. Here's why I say all that. Here's why I say all that. Because Jesus knew, Jesus knew, Jesus knew this, that belonging is a major part of how we achieve breakthrough in our life. Now, you may, now you're sitting there and you may be going, okay, I know where you're going with this. Okay, I, I'm already a step ahead of you here, preacher. I'm way down the line for you on that. And you're like, you know what? I don't need to be on a team, Ray. I'm, I'm okay by myself. I'll get by myself. I'm resilient. You know what? I'm doing just fine. I've gotten this far. I'm still alive. I'm wearing clothes. I'm good. I'm sitting here. Here's what I want to ask. Who wants to just get by? Who wants to just exist? Who wants to just kind of maintain the status quo? See, if I could go around the room right now, if I could start to my right, back, back in the corner, okay? Back, you back in the corner there. And, and you got your seat, and you got here early, and I love it, okay? Okay, you back in the corner. If I were to sit down with you, and I were to say, okay, is there an area in your life that you feel like that you're asking God for a breakthrough? You would say, yeah, there's an area in my life. Maybe it's a parenting thing. Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a career thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's something that you've been walking through a long way. And then I could go to this section. I could say, hey, is there an area in your life that you would, you're asking God or you would want to break through in your life? And you say, yes. I could go around the room, all the way up through the balcony, all the way to the very tippy top, the cheap seats, way back in the back, all right? Everyone in this place together, we would all say, we want no offense to you in the balcony, all right? I just wanted to engage everyone here this morning. The point is this, the point is this, that breakthrough, breakdowns become breakthroughs when we discover belonging. You should write that down. Breakdowns become breakthroughs when we discover belonging. See, when we are at a point of breakdown in our life, when we begin to belong, breakthrough begins to happen. And Jesus knew this. He would take his disciples there. You're like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I want you all to stand up. Just go ahead, stand up real quick. This isn't real, this isn't real long, okay? Okay, look around the room, look at each other. Look around the room. Okay, right, look, can I turn to your left, your right, look around. Okay, here's what I want you to think about right now. You right now are proof that a breakthrough happened with 12 individuals. You are here today because 12 individuals were chosen for a team and breakthroughs happened in their life to the point where you know their names, Right? 
Now, here's another question. In 2,000 years, if the Lord tarries, will somebody know your name? Mm. Okay, you can be seated. Thank you. That's my, that's my point. That's my point. Now, here's the thing. You may say, okay, Ray, I get it, I get it. But if I go to a group, if I get involved, there are going to be people in, in that group, in this church, that annoy me. You in the balcony, you on the main floor here, there's going to be people that get under your skin. I have a friend. He calls these individuals who annoy him this one acronym, and you can use this anytime you want. You can just think about it in your mind. He calls them E-G-R's, extra grace required. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're laughing. You're like, yes, that's exactly what I know. They're the individuals. They're going to steal your joy. I had a, a Ford Ranger uh, when I was in college, a little Ford Ranger, it was green, and, and I had this, this, this speaker cabinet in the back of it because I love great music, and I had 100 CDs. Remember when we all carried CDs around, you know, this big leather, this big leather binder, 100 CDs, all these great CDs, and one night I park my truck, and I go inside to where I was living, and the next day I come back out, somebody had got, gotten through that Ford Ranger in the window, jarred it open, stolen my speakers, stolen the, 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 the amp, and so all of my CDs while I wasn't looking. Here's why I tell you that story. If you're honest, there are certain people that are going to, while you're not looking, steal the life out of you. They're going to talk too much. They're going to talk too loud. You're not going to like their political views. Hello? Right? I heard a pastor friend of mine say it this way. He said, look, if you're in a group and you don't know anybody like that, that person is you, my friend. <laughs> I think it's true. But here's the thing, the friction that you feel, the frustration that you endure, these are the conflicts that help you with a breakthrough in your life. Listen, listen, don't miss this. Okay, if you are a parent and your child says, you know what, I don't want to continue that sport because it's hard. You're a good parent. I know you are. And you're not going to be like, you know what, just quit it. It's not, just, if it gets hard, just quit give up. No big deal. No, you're going to be like, stick it out. Don't quit. Your heavenly father, when you say, you know what? I, I tried to get involved at my last church and I was heard and this happened. I'm not going to try it again. Do you think your, your heavenly father saying, you know what? That's good. You should just, no. He's saying, get in there because that friction, that frustration, that's going to produce a breakthrough in your life in one way or another because I've designed you for belonging all the way through. He's saying, don't miss out on what I have for you. My point is this. Breakthroughs never come easy. They always come through some hardship in your life. Now, let me show you a picture. Uh, this lady, is she on the screen? Put that picture up, guys. There she is. That is Sarah, Sarah Blakely. Now, you, you don't know who she is. I'm going to get something out here. Um, these are called Spanx. Okay? Now, hold on just a minute. This is all going to connect, all right? Just, just, but just wait a minute. Sarah Blakely, she goes into a store. She's looking for something before she's going to go to some... Um, uh, party and she can't find what she's looking for and this is where Spanx was uh, born. This woman invented these 
with $5,000. She'd never went into debt. She's never advertised one time. And now she is around the world and worth billions of dollars. She actually invented a version like, the, like Spanx for men. She calls them Manx, okay? <laughs> True story. As I went to the store last night to get these, I've never felt so uncomfortable in my entire life. <laughs> Lady asked me, what can I do to help you? And I said, I need a pair of Spanx. Uh, uh, Spanx. And she said, she looked at me, I said, don't ask, all right, don't ask. And then I invited her to church. I said, I'm going to be talking about it tomorrow. So it's one way, I guess, to do it. Why did she make billions of dollars with this product? Because she's hiding something that no one else can hide. Here's why I tell you that, and here's why I bring that up. Here's, the, here's why. Because we are Spanx Christians. We tuck stuff in. We tuck in our irritability, our pride, our ego, our whining. I'll just suck it up a little bit. Spanx, it holds the stuff in that you don't want anyone to see, right? And so we walk around like we're just, oh, don't touch me, please. Just one hour, I'll get home, and then, ah, you know, it all comes out. Whatever it is that you're hiding, whatever it is, don't be a Spanx Christian. Listen, you can fake Christianity all you want, but there's two things I know for sure. You aren't going to proactively grow as a believer. You're not going to see a breakthrough in your life. And number two, God sees it anyways. He sees it anyways. And the friction and the frustration, the joy of community is going to allow you to grow. You're never going to experience it. Ray, I might be hurt. Yeah. I might be frustrated. Yes. I might just struggle. Yes, you will. Here's my point. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is no healing in hiding. Write that down. There is no healing in hiding. You're only as sick as your secrets. There's no healing in hiding. Some guy binges for the hundredth time. Okay, let's get real. There, some guy binges for the hundredth time. He's losing his family. He's losing his work. Things are going really bad for him. He doesn't know where to go. He thinks maybe he should take his own life. He stumbles into Celebrate Recovery that we have at Graceland. And all of a sudden, he finds accountability and rawness and realness. Healing. Somebody is, struggles with anxiety. Somebody struggles with isolation. Somebody doesn't know what to do or maybe their reputation has been mired or, or maybe they're going through bankruptcy or maybe their kids aren't, you know, they're going through something or, 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 or maybe it's a, a, a college student or somebody's struggling, doesn't know what to do with the, ne the, right, the next step in their life and these things are happening and all of a sudden they step into this community of people and healing begins to happen. Well, that doesn't really happen, Ray. I haven't experienced that before. Let me, let, me, let me just beg to differ. Here's proof. The very book that we're reading from, the very book we call the, the scriptures, the Bible, a portion of the Bible is written by here. Let me read his bio for you, okay? This is just kind of my bio of this individual who wrote a portion. He's type A. He's prideful. He's win at all costs. He's pushing to the max. He's in your face saying, if you're not first, you're last. He's an arrogant jerk, and his famous breakdown on the road to Damascus led to the most powerful breakthrough maybe the world has ever seen. And there was a group of people that came alongside of him and taught him about God. One of those men was Ananias, and Ananias came up to him and said, God loves you, in other words. 
And the Apostle Paul would go on to become the, greatest, the world's greatest church planter. Almost every time I ask somebody, tell me about your faith story, tell me about your relationship with Jesus Christ, it always sounds like something like this. I didn't really know God, I didn't really care about God, and then I met so-and-so. Do you have someone like that? Yeah. You see, every time we look back at Scripture, I'm just going to put a bunch of Scriptures on the screen, we see them involved in this biblical belonging. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In Acts 5, it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. In Romans, it says, greet also the church that meets at their house. In 1 Corinthians, says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets in their house. Over and over and over again, you see community, community, belonging, belonging, belonging. Small group, small group, small group, small group. Now, maybe some of you, you don't know God, but I guarantee you that if that day ever comes for you, maybe it's at Grace Center or somewhere else, you will include in your journey someone that you trust, someone who's going to help you in your next step. You know, as the, the musicians come out in just a minute, they begin to come out and begin to softly play behind me. I just want to share with you that there was a great amount of hiding in my life happening. I was struggling because I was hurting and I was hiding all of that hurt. And any time that you really hide your hurt, what you do is you put up these strong walls. And when, if you, when you put up these strong walls, you think that no one sees, but everyone sees those. And you know what they want to do? They just want to say, they just want to, I think that a lot of people just wanted to look at me and say, hey, Ray, just drop them. Because, you know, we're all hurting. And in this room, with this many people in this space, I just want to encourage you that if you're hurting today, you can drop them and you can be included in a community that just wants you to be loved. And you can get in a group that absolutely wants to know you for who you are. Yeah, are you may, maybe there'll be frustration, maybe there'll be friction, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a part of the breakthrough God has for you. You know, and, and, and part of my hiding that moved to healing had to do with a group of people that I began to grow close with. One particular guy, his name's Kevin. And Kevin became one of my best friends. And through that process of him challenging me and making me mad and frustrating me, and all along the way, I didn't want to do what he was challenging me to do, Ray Green began to heal from the inside out through the Spirit's guidance. It would have never happened had I not had that someone. Here's the deal. Every one of you has a someone story. And here's my point. You can be someone to someone. You can be someone to someone. 